What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. What I do here is a daily live stream, and I put it out in podcast form. If you want to take part in the live streams, you can follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner, or better yet, go to the telegram t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Also, check out the website bitcoinandmarkets.com. Sign up for the free tier, get notified of all my content, get a free weekly newsletter. And there you can also become a full member and support me for $5 a month and support this unique perspective in Bitcoin. So I have been in Bitcoin for almost 10 years. I have an economics and business background as well as a military career. So I have a unique perspective, a unique outlook. And if you listen to this whole episode today, you'll get a taste of that unique outlook. So I want to thank everyone that supports over there on BitcoinAndMarkets.com. If you're new, I hope you enjoy the episode. Subscribe, like, share, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Okay, let's get into today's show. It is December 19th, 2022. Um, just have a few topics to go over today. Getting the week started here, Monday, and hope you guys had a good weekend. Uh, it was kind of productive for me, actually. I was putting up some baseboards. So I've told you in the past, I'm kind of closing in section of like the front of our house uh, for an office. And so I got some baseboards going this weekend. That was, it's always fun to build something with your hands. So that was, that was a, a lot of my weekend. Uh, there are, man, it is the forecast for Florida is really, really cold for Christmas. I saw just for comparison, last year, the last few years here in the Jacksonville area, I'm just south of Jacksonville, um, we had, I think, a total in the last three years, last three winters I've been here, probably six days under freezing and uh, like overnight, right? It get up, just got down to like 30 degrees or something, um, but we are forecast to get down to like 21 degrees on Christmas Eve. So that is pretty, pretty dang cold <laughs> for this part. I thought I left all of these really frigid temperatures behind me in the Midwest, but apparently not. Uh, is this the grand solar minimum that's affecting the weather? I, I think it, I tend to think so because that's one, one of the things that led me to moving down to Florida was I thought the winters were going to continue to get colder and colder. Uh, just the opposite of what the quote-unquote Twitter spaces just crashed. I cannot believe this shit. This is the worst product, man. The just opposite of what the global warming people say is what's actually going to happen. So anyways, um, today what I wanted to go over was Marty Bent and Matt O'Dell. They had a, what is it called, rabbit hole recap. And they were at the end, they were talking about inflation. And DT pointed this out to me. And so I listened to it. It's really, they're really confused on inflation. They have some of this exactly backwards. And so I was going to go over just like, I think it's maybe five to 10 minute clip of them discussing the debt and interest rates and inflation and that kind of thing. Uh, then I'm going to go into a Fed, a story about the Fed. This was also passed on by one of the guys over there in Telegram. And it was... 
a business uh, markets insider piece, not, oh no, business insider. And um, it's talking about the Fed, how they had some cyber attack or ransomware attack. And so they didn't get all the updated inflation numbers from November in their models. I think that's very, very interesting. Uh, so it could have misled uh, Powell and other governors into making a different decision, right? Based on not having access to certain information into their models, which I think is uh, kind of interesting. Then lastly, I'll just read through um, another thing, another research paper from the this time from the Philadelphia Fed. And they're talking about job, the discrepancy in the jobs numbers and stuff. So a few topics to get to. Let's jump into this first one. And this is rabbit hole recap. I'm starting at about two minute or two hour mark. So, and I have it sped up just a little bit. So uh, let's do this. It's rising. Stock markets crash, Bitcoin crash, crypto crash, real estate crash. So a lot of people are going to be claiming losses on their taxes for 2022. That means the tax receipts next year probably going to be significantly lower than they were last year. I believe they're like $4 trillion. Um, and so I believe the annual unfunded liabilities is around $5 trillion. You made $4 trillion in taxes last year? Yeah, it was an all-time high. Because yeah, I mean, you had the stock market going, Bitcoin going, every real estate booming. Trillion? Trillion. <laughs> that sounds really high. I mean, that's what it was. In 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 tax revenue? Yeah. Interesting. It's gonna be. It's not gonna be that high next year. I didn't really. I didn't realize it was that high. Oh yeah. I thought it was significantly less than that. And we still had a trillion dollar deficit. So so, how how big is our deficit? Last year was a trillion, so we had five trillion. In. How big is our debt? Right. Oh. Deficit is the is the difference. Right? Yes. But I mean, our debt is how many trillions? I mean, the annual payment on those liabilities was $5 trillion that we need to pay. But the overall unfunded liabilities were larger than that. Obviously, you don't need to pay. These are large numbers, freaks. Very large. Very large. $29 trillion is our total our total national debt? Yes. That's a, I didn't confirm that. A freak just posted that in the I, comments. It sounds about right. It's probably going to be into the 30s next year when uh, tax receipts. So they, they hiked rates again yesterday. Another quote-unquote 50 basis points like all the finance guys we, we're talking basis points now right not like 0.5 percent basis points is for the layman we use bips and finance finance okay <laughs> 50 bips so 0.5 percent right is what they raised it but the thing is is like well and and so everyone was bullish they're like oh inflation was low at 7.1 percent in manipulated bullshit number it's like and, food was over 10 percent inflation and with that number two people completely discount the fact that it's that's coming off a higher base like inflation started going right because it's year. year over year yeah it's year over year so so what marty meant there by higher base is you know since it's year over year like matt pointed out that um you know last november of 2021 inflation quote-unquote inflation cpi was already uh elevated right and so but it's not seven percent higher than the rate of inflation last november the pr actual prices are 7% higher. So a lot of people don't understand that the way that they do CPI is they add up and they have like a, um, each month they will use their formulas and their algorithms and all their data that they collected and they get like one number. So just as an, as an example, this one in November could have been like 299 four, six, five, three, seven, eight, right? Like a bunch of decimal places. And then 
what they'll do is they'll look at uh, the next month's number, which is could be, let's say, 300.125. So what is the increase? The increase, that's how they get their month over month. They actually have it based off raw, da- raw data. And then the year over year is just they compare last November to this November uh, with that exact measurement. So it's there. you don't have to worry about a rate of change. And a, a lot of times people try, they complicate things. And I've heard people say this, that the month over month is like the derivative of a derivative, uh, you know, second order derivative. And it's not like month over month is the rock solid truth. That is the actual change in the month. And it's the shortest time period that we have. I mean, it would be better if we could get weekly data, you know, like a weekly CPI measurement or something, then we would have even more rock solid truth of what the actual absolute change week to week in the economy is. Um, year over year just hides hides information because the first three months of that year could have had 10% inflation and the last nine months could have had negative 5% inflation each month. And you'll never know that by looking at the year over year. It is horribly, it's just a big fat waste. And that's why I don't really like that Powell talks about getting the year over year inflation to 2%. I mean, I this is not even judging whether you would, why you would want 2% growth, okay? Or why you want 2% inflation. But targeting that as a year over year rate is a little bit asinine, right? Look at how much has changed in 2021. They went from a zero, they went from QE and 0% rates to six months of QT and up at there at four, four and a half percent on the Fed funds. A lot has changed, but they're still using the year over year number. It doesn't make any sense. They should, if there is going to be a target, they should target month over month. But there also needs to be a way to eliminate the, I mean, if you want to talk about inflation, you have to find a way to eliminate supply and demand changes. You know, like just finding out what the money, how much money has been printed, what the money supply difference is. That should be uh one of the goals of this, but it, of course it's not their, their mandate is prices. It's not money supply. Um, so anyways, let's uh, keep going on this. So not a financial professional, just a humble sat stacker over here. Um, they might like, it takes a lot of ego to think you can lower rates again in general. Like who's going to lend money. Why would I lend money to the U S government? for less than 5%. If they're, if they have all this, like if the money's fucking broken and it's inflationary and they're printing a shit ton of it and I don't have any faith or trust in them, why would I lend them money at a low rate? All right. So there's a couple fallacies there, right? First one is that you invest in treasuries for the yield, for the coupon payment. That's the very first one. And that's not true. Treasuries have other utility. So yeah, it depends on what the you need, like what other value do you get from treasuries other than the coupon? 
when that when the inversion is very high, you know, you're getting a lot of utility, whether it's um, because you your risk adjusted returns are different and you need to have more uh, safe and liquid assets or whatever. Um, there's more utility in a treasury. That's why you would own it below a certain rate. The other thing is Matt was saying, why would you lend money to the government when they're printing money and da, 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 da. So that all of his reasonings there were false. The fed doesn't print money. Banks print money when they make a loan. And Marty gets into that here, gets into a little bit of that, but he, you know, I, he's even interviewed me in the past. Uh, I've been on the show. And so he knows these arguments, um, but he doesn't want to accept them. All right, let's continue. I don't know why you would. I certainly wouldn't, but. Like it government. takes a lot of, it, ta- it takes a lot of ego to think that like there, there's a situation here where they completely lose control of rates. Oh yeah. And then we just never see rates go down until the fall of the dollar. Man, well, wouldn't, wouldn't be the fall of the dollar. The lower rates would mean more printing, which would mean like a, you have two. No, you have two that's yeah. Two. It's not a, a. It's not that one. The scenario you're describing is it a fall of the dollar? It's a default on the debt. So essentially, it's a a, a failure of the U.S. government to pay back their liabilities. Uh, well, no, you print money. You print money to pay the debt. Yeah, that's when rates are going down. Yeah. That's how that happens. All right. So there's a lot of problems in there. He's saying that. Um, Lower rates, Marty's explanation here is that lower rates means that uh, more you can take out more loans, right? Because just like think about housing, as rates fall, houses become more affordable. That makes perfect sense. You can take out, you can have more credit carrying capacity because rates are lower. But that's putting the cart before the horse. The thing that pushes rates down is, um, yes, there is a, a lot of supply of money to be lent out, right? Um, there's a lot of ability for banks to make more loans. But the reason why that is, is because they're not making the loans. They're pulling back on their credit standards, okay? Uh, and so there's fewer loans being made. That's why the rates fall. It's not the other way around. Um, that's a very, very important step to understand why rates falling does not mean money printing. It actually means the the reverse. It means that there's fewer, there's less credit creation happening. This is the uh, interest rate fallacy, right? Falling rates means money is tight. Rising rates means money is loose. Now, when you apply that rule to the last, say, two years, okay, there was all of this um, fiscal spending, you know, they gave everybody the stimmy checks. Money was not tight. Money was loose because people were spending it out in the economy. So you had the surge of loose money. So what happens to interest rates? They go up and they went up very quickly. Has nothing to, I mean, you do not have to turn to the Fed to explain this. You just look at what's going on in the economy. There's a ton of fiscal deficit and, you know, deficit spending, um, splurging out with the stimmies, money was loose, interest rates go up. 
That's what that is the interest rate fallacy. It's the op- opposite way of what people think. People think as you lower rates, that's actually stimulatory. It's not. It means it's the what is the base underlying the economy is tight. So there's quite a few fallacies there that are wrapped up in uh, Marty's position. Okay, let's continue. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean like rates go down in that situation. Like, isn't that just because no, if you're if you're raising rates, you're trying to pull dollars out of the system to reduce inflation? Right. The way you put dollars back in is you lower rates, incentivize lending. So there was a really important word that he used there, trying. He said, if when you're raising rates, you're trying to suck money out of the economy. Yeah, that's, I would say that's correct. That's the idea that they're trying to promote. That the Fed raising rates is going to withdraw money out of the economy. Um, but that's not actually what's happening. Creation of new dollars. Right. But inflation be running hot in that situation. Well, yeah, it's already running hot. So like, it would just like, there's gotta be a post. What's gonna happen? Parker and I talk about this last. Well, time. why would you lend money below the rate of inflation? I don't know. You have a negative real return. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've already had real negative rates <laughs> in other parts of the world. Um, so again, that that question, uh, they can't answer it, right? Because they don't understand. They're not, or not that they don't understand it, but they don't view the system that we have today as credit a credit-based system when you print money it's in the process of making a loan but you print an asset and a liability so you look at the bank's balance sheet they have the liability which is the deposit that you know they plus up the uh, customer's deposit deposits but on their asset side they have the loan that's an asset for them They print a liability and an asset. Now, on the customer's balance sheet, they have an asset that is the deposit. It's the opposite, right? And their liability is the loan. So this is, that is credit-based money. Before the great financial crisis, there was crazy amounts of unsecured debt. So think about the euro dollar system. Think about banks in Hong Kong or Frankfurt or London, and they're just wheeling and dealing unsecured loans. And then the great financial crisis happens and they're like, oh crap, we better secure these loans with collateral. All right. So that's why the collateral is needed to protect against, you know, non repayment of any sort of repo transaction or whatever. So that's why these things are below the market rate interest rate, because they have utility on top of the coupon payment. And that's within this credit-based, global credit-based system that runs on dollars that's all on different balance sheets all around. And this is what Jeff Schneider says. I mean, he has it wrong when he talks about blockchain, Jeff Schneider does. But um, he's correct in saying that there's, just think about the great, uh, think about the financial system that we have today as a series of like 20,000 balance sheets. And it's not triple entry bookkeeping, like Bitcoin is triple entry bookkeeping. It is double entry bookkeeping. And so they're all kind of connected to each other. They're overlapping, but only part of their balance sheets are overlapping with each other. So it's an interconnected, distributed ledger. It really is a distributed. Well, it's not even distributed. It's, um, I don't know what the word for it would be. Because a distributed ledger means that 
everybody has the same copy of the ledger. But that's not what this is. This is a uh, distributed connecting ledger where everybody's ledger is different, but they all connect. Okay. It's like a big puzzle piece. So that that's how you need to think about the financial system. And then you think about their demand for treasuries. When times are tough, they want more treasuries. In, then there's more demand for treasuries and interest rates go down. The, the way that they'll square that circle, most people, is they'll say, but look at the Fed's balance sheet. The Fed's balance sheet goes up when they do QE. And so that's money printing. But that's that's not the case either. Th those are casino tokens. It's like if uh, MGM Grand in Vegas prints a whole bunch of casino tokens and gives them to people to play games in their casino, uh, that's not printing dollars, okay? That's just printing casino chips. That's what the Fed is doing. They're printing casino chips. And then what they do is they say, hey, you know, you could, the, like, let's say MGM Grand is the Fed. They, they say, you can put these casino chips on your balance sheet as if they were dollars, okay? So that you look solvent. It's balance sheet trickery. That's all it is. It is has nothing, and, you know, think about the psychology of that too. If you knew, like, let's say you were, Bank of America, and you know Citibank has a bunch of these crappy casino tokens on their balance sheet, you're going to say, well, crap, dude, really, in the free market system, they're insolvent. So I'm not going to lend to them, or I'm going to require more collateral on, on a loan, okay? So see how this is all connected? As you do these, if you do QE, you actually hurt the system. You actually push rates down because not because it's money printing, but because people need more collateral to engage in their all their activity that they're doing. So their demand for treasuries goes up. Interest rates come down. It's harder for mom and pop to get a loan, but it's easier for the Fortune 500s to get a loan. So you have a funneling of money towards the most credit-worthy companies and credit-worthy activities. So buying a house is credit-worthy because you have collateral, right? The house is the collateral for that. So anyway, um, that's enough from them. I hope I explained that a little bit, cleared up some confusion about that episode. Okay, let's go on to Fed inflation numbers. So this is a very interesting story. Like I said, it is in Business Insider, and the headline is, The Fed's inflation projections make no sense, and central bankers could have been misled by a cyber attack. And this is from, from uh, Fundstrat. That's the source. So let's get to the main meat of the article here. Uh, the Fed's inflation projections make no sense, and central bankers could have been misled by a cyber attack ahead of the December FOMC meeting according to Fundstrat head of research, Tom Lee. I think he's a Bitcoiner too, right? Um, Lee pointed to Fed Chair Powell's remarks after last week's FOMC meeting, where the head of the central bank said inflation was still well above the Fed's 2% target and signaled interest rates would remain high through all of next year, something that has already weighed heavily on stocks in 2022. Fears of a still hawkish Fed in 2023 spurred another investor sell-off after Powell's speech. 
But the Fed's expectation of higher core inflation this year mathematically makes no sense, Lee said in a note on Monday. Fed officials projected core PCE inflation, which strips out volatile food and energy prices, to average 4.8% in 2022. That comes after a closely related measure of price growth clocked in below economists' expectations in November, with core CPI inflation coming in at 6% year over year. See, why do they concentrate on year over year? They're, they're missing the whole point of these, these measurements. Uh, to meet the Fed's projection, core PCE inflation would need to explode by 75 basis points over the next month, Lee said. He estimated the Fed's December inflation expectations were likely 60 basis points too high. So instead of uh, the 4.8, it should be 4.2. All right. That could have been due to a ransomware attack last week on Haver Analytics, which sends real-time economic data out to Wall Street firms. Due to the attack, the analytics firm stopped updating data on Tuesday, the same day the November inflation report rolled out and Fed officials were scheduled to meet on their next policy move. Quote, any firm using Haver data would not get the November CPI, Lee said, suggesting that could have misled officials and caused them to overestimate inflation. Quote, this is a critical data point that feeds into a forecast, end quote. Other market commentators have warned of the dangers of the Fed overestimating inflation, as that could result in another policy mistake and plunge the U.S. into a recession. Lee previously pointed out, uh, pointed to falling home prices and other cooling inflation indicators, which could mean the Fed won't need to be as restrictive in monetary policy as they've suggested. The U.S. two-year Treasury yield is also below the Fed funds rate target of 425 to 4.5%. That suggests the bond market thinks the Fed's inflation forecast is too high, and a pause or rate cut in rates could be in the cards next year. Okay. Very interesting. So there was a ransomware attack, stopped them from getting a lot of their updates. It could be leading the Fed to have a higher inflation in their models or whatever. All of this doesn't really matter. <laughs> to be honest, you know, like the Fed, as you guys know, listen to this, the Fed doesn't control interest rates. Just look at the interest rates. How can you at one point say the Fed controls interest rates, but in the same exact paragraph, say that the two years below the Fed funds target. Like obviously they don't control interest rates. So what's going on here? As I've said in the past, I think that the market is going to force the Fed to pivot because rates are going to continue to fall and it will make the Fed just look impotent if they don't pivot. Um, it could also be that they're waiting for some major event to happen so that they can swoop in and pivot at that time, you know, cut rates or whatever. Because they would rather look like they crashed the market than for people to think that they don't matter. Uh, so they're just going to keep going in one direction until they are forced to change by the circumstances. They don't head off anything. They don't even look probably at day-to-day -day stock market or anything. I, I don't really even think they care about that. They're just waiting for something in the credit markets to snap and force them to save the system. 
So anyways, that was that story. Now let's go quickly to the Fed, Philadelphia Fed. They have a research department apparently. And the title for this paper, I did link, I think I put it in Telegram. Let's see if I did that. Yeah, just a couple posts ago this morning, I put that uh, link to this PDF in there. So the title is Early Benchmark Revisions of the State Payroll Employment. Early benchmarks for all 50 states in the District of Columbia. Estimates by the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia indicate that the employment changes from March through June of 2022 were significantly different in 33 states and the District of Columbia compared with current state estimates from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, current employment statistics. Early benchmark estimates indicate higher changes in four states, lower changes in 29 states and the District of Columbia. The lesser changes uh, and lesser changes in the remaining 17 states. Our estimates incorporate more comprehensive, accurate job estimates released by the BLS as part of its quarterly census and employment and wages program to augment the sample data from the BLS's blah, 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 okay? All percentage change calculations are expressed as annualized rates. In aggregate, 10,500 new jobs were added during the period rather than 1,121,500 jobs estimated by the summary uh, of the report. So that is a over, what is that? Over 1.1 million job difference in just that quarter alone, you know, in in Q2 of this year. What about Q3? What about Q4 now so far? We've looked at these different charts and these different charts are showing a gap. So between the household and the establishment surveys, there's a 1.8 million job gap. This right here explains 1.1 million. So maybe Q3 was, you know, the remainder of that, 700,000. Yeah, very, very interesting. And now the Fed, obviously, this is inside the Fed. This is a working paper from the Fed. So they know this. They know that they're counting employment wrong. And every time Powell stands up there and says, we have a robust job market, blah, 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 blah. They can't support that for much longer. Another interesting aspect of this was, is remote work? Because a lot of people can get a second job easier than they could in the past, right? Like if you had to get a second job, uh, you would be restricted to your local area where you are, right? Because obviously if you live someplace and you work in one place, then you have to find a second job in that same place. But now you can find a remote job anywhere in the world. So second jobs are much easier to get. I think maybe that's why we see this big change right now in this particular market environment because remote jobs are so much easier to get. But anyway, okay, that's all I have for that one. Mike is open for you guys if you want to raise your hand, have a question, or you want to change a, well, bring up a different topic or whatever. Go for it. Well, I'm waiting to see if anybody raises their hand. Uh, guys, if you're listening on the podcast, join the telegram t.me for slash Bitcoin and markets. This, the channel is, you know, really picking up lots of people discussing every post seems to have between five and 10 comments on it. So people are, uh, I think finding it valuable. So come on over to t.me for slash Bitcoin and markets. 
That's also where I do these live streams. I try to do them on Twitter spaces, but just like today, Twitter spaces crashes a lot. And this is on a brand new Samsung phone. So I don't know why it's crashing. Um, anyway, let's see. Dan, the man, let me bring you in. What's up, Dan? Uh, hey, uh, I was just wondering, do you have a link to that uh, hack that you were talking about earlier about uh, the data being possibly hacked? I don't know if that's on uh, Telegram or not, if you put a link to that. Um, no, I didn't put a link, but it was linked to in one of the comments, but I'll put it, pull it out here to the main page. It's from Business Insider. I don't know. Uh, you might need to find an archive link to that because... I think maybe you can only view Business Insider like two or three times a month or something like that. Okay. If you have a cookie. Okay. I, I don't know. Business Insider is sort of shady as of recently. But, uh, um, yeah. but I mean, that's a pretty big story, I think. If if that was hacked, that's gigantic. Like, I mean, yeah, I just want to – I'll, I'll uh, read up on it more too. I'll, I'll find the link. Cool. Yeah, I just put it in the, the Telegram channel. If you find more information, I'd appreciate you uh, just commenting on that post that I just did and uh, add add to it. Don't know if it was a ransomware attack or if it was a straight up um, hack. So, but that that is that is pretty scary or not scary, but it's concerning because uh, you know what happens if they change data. You might not notice, or you would definitely notice, like the current month changing. But what if they changed something from 10 months ago uh, and it changed the calculations, right? So you don't know uh, exactly what's going on there. And it's a third party, this Haver Analytics. So government contractor could be all sorts of shady stuff going on. Yeah, and just one little change and then they pour money one way and then it it just, uh, it really affects things. It can, I don't know. Don't know how to say it, but even a small change can have a large effect. Absolutely. All right. Don't know who is next, but I'm going to bring Reed in. What's up, Reed? Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah. So the the last two things that you covered were both about basically incorrect data, right? That they're trying to make decisions based on. And I was just yeah. wondering. I mean, I I know that this is sort of maybe branching into like some conspiracy type stuff, but like, who, who do you think, like, are there people who are motivated to actually get this data wrong or, or feed data incorrectly or, you know, cite sources that they know may, may not be accurate? Uh, do you think that there's anything to that or you think they're just literally just sort of falling into the bad data? Uh, I mean, there's definitely an incentive to try to steer policy one direction or the other, right? You can take positions out, um, and try to profit off of decisions that go a certain way versus another. So there's definitely ways to profit off of this. Um, I don't think it's a systemic thing, though. Um, I, I think that, I mean, CPI is in, it's a very hard thing to measure, you know. Um, so I would say there's more problems with the measurement than there is with like false data or spoofing of the data or whatever they want to do, like hacking in and changing the data. Um, I think there's just, it's not that it's always wrong. Uh, it's the best thing that we have, these type of measurements. I think they're generally accurate. But uh, I, I mean, for example, if CPI was came out to be month over month 0. 
it could be anywhere in reality between like 0.1 and 0.3. So it's the best thing we have. I would say that would be the the bigger source of misinformation or whatever than, or malinformation. I don't know what the term would be than um, actual hacking and planting of faulty information. Okay. Uh, let's go to car bringing you in. What's up car. Okay. I'm going to restate that because it's uh, your mic is a little garbled. Uh, you said what do I have any thoughts on the volatility crashing? Um, I'm pulling up VIX right now. Let's see. I, I haven't followed this, but um, let's see. I mean, it's sitting at 21 right now. The VIX is, it is lower compared to, well, let me pull up the stock market today too, see what's going on. Um, is the volume low for stocks? Because I think, doesn't uh, volatility include a volume indicator uh, or volume part? Uh, I don't know. I To be honest with you, man, I don't follow VIX very much. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are watching it and taking out options just on VIX, but um, I don't really follow it. All right. Any other hands in here? All right. Well, then I'm going to cut it there for the day, guys. Thanks for joining me, Ansel Leonard, Bitcoin and Markets. Make sure you're signed up at BitcoinandMarkets.com. The newsletter is not going to go out today. Uh, I'm going to get it out by the end of the week, you know, before Christmas. I got off cycle and I'll just get it back, uh, slowly get it back to Monday, uh, back into cycle. So thanks for all your guys' support and I will see you on the next one. Bye.